This A's Cast download is brought to you by Link Soul. Check out their spring collection. Go to linksoul.com and by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to nestbedding.com. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And the pitch is swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track over his head and over the wall. Do you believe that? And 29 other MLB clubs. Ramirez with a drive to deep right, away back, goal! Go hey, it's a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a judgy in blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors to spin rates to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Well, good afternoon, A's fans, and welcome to another edition of A's Cast Live. I can't tell you how great it is to be back. Took a little vacay, which I normally don't do during the season. But at some point, my wife convinced me that we are heading into those times where our kids are getting older and I have twins. So when they leave for college, it will be leaving Empty nesters all in one shot. So uh, she threw the workaholic card at me and said we need to start spending more family time before they leave. So I said, okay, all right, all right. Uh, and thank you to Delaire Lawors, our boss, for allowing that to happen. Normally I only take, take my, my week during the uh, All-Star break and the two weekends before the All-Star break, but uh, it was nice. I'd worked a lot of straight games, and it was nice to get away. And it was great from afar to because, as you know, it's so odd when you're in Hawaii and it's three hours ahead. Like, you know, you're like, oh, what time are we going to dinner? You know, you're laying by the pool. You're out in the ocean with the kids. And next year you're like, oh, the game's over. <laughs> and it was great to see the A's get back on track and win some games. I'm so happy for Mark Kotze. I'm so happy for the players knowing how hard they've been working. It's something that, you know, we'll have Mark Kotze on today at 4.30 uh, for the manager show, the GM show. David Force will be back here at 5 o'clock. And then Eno Saris, our national baseball columnist from The Athletic, will be here at 5.30. Oof, tough days for The Athletic as, you know, unfortunately we've talked about this before. And we've talked about it in our old in- industry in terrestrial radio We've now seen it in the cable world where we've been seeing it in print for so long where basically newspapers are dead. You know, I remember when I was working at KMBR, the morning show with Gary Radnich, we got every, we got the CC times, the Contra Costa times. Were they around when you were, when you first got here? I think so. They were still here. The Oakland Tribune. Isn't that where our good friend and former colleague Matt Steinmetz Correct. started? Matt Steinmetz was the beat writer for the Warriors for the CC Times. I mean, it's it's it's, and the Athletic was supposed to be not like newspapers. Well, guess what? The New York Times bought them, and they're treated like a newspaper. And whoosh, a lot of people get in the axe, and it's sad. And once again, it goes back to why we created Ace Cast because this is the future of how you're going to get your news 
how you're going to follow your team, just not the A's. The Rays were just in town. They were talking about, hey, we're trying to do stuff like this. This is the model. This is the future. And luckily, we're, we're, we're at the forefront of it. And it's been an honor to do that. So Mark Kotze at 4.30, David Force at 5, Eno Saris coming up here at 5.30. And a lot to talk to all these guys about, especially Eno as he's done a lot of stuff as we're finding out as today is day one of the College World Series. We are finding out that they're they're using illegal bats in college baseball. Yeah, I didn't expect to hear that already, but here we are. I mean, we just went through Spider Tack. We went through Spygate with the Astros. We got we got umpires checking players' hands. And yeah, we we just saw a Mets player, another Mets pitcher, get suspended. Drew Smith got ten games. And, the, and now seven. we're talking about illegal bats, yeah. illegal metal bats. Like, I, I, was I'm that not, big when you played? No, no one was smart enough to. We're talking about aluminum bats. <laughs> like, like you could take a drill into a wood bat and drill out a hole and put cork in there, right? Yeah. Okay, I get that. Now, there were rumors that back in the day that guys used to take the cap off their bats and put bouncy balls into the metal bats and try and reseal the cap. But the problem is, I never saw this myself, but the problem was if the ball ever hit the cap, once a cap comes off a metal bat, that sealant, you never have it right again. And immediately there were rumors that the ball would hit the end of the bat, which was a plastic-type cap on the end of a metal bat, and it'd go flying and rubber balls would go everywhere. I never saw it. You heard about it. I have no idea. Eno is going to talk about rolling the bats, whatever that is. Maybe we need to investigate. But I didn't know you could illegally doctor a aluminum metal bat. Sorry, I was dealing with our stream. Yes, I never. Are I, we on? Yeah, we're good. I was Ace Cast. We're we're good on video. It was, we're, it was an error on my part. I I guess we disconnected and I didn't realize on Ace Cast on iHeart and everything we weren't connected. So we're good now. Video's been good. We're back on Ace Cast. But yeah, never heard about rolling bats. Any of this stuff for college baseball. I mean, we knew about Spider Attack. We knew guys were using it because guys are throwing so hard in college baseball. But I n- had no idea about bats. Bats. Yes. Yeah, Metal bats. And there's, by the way, there's a kid playing for Florida. His name's uh, J- uh, is it Jack Jack something. He's an Italian last name, I believe. They call him Jack Tawny because he's a two-way guy. He's a sophomore. Apparently, this kid's going to – he wears like a size 17 shoe. There's kids uh, they are hitting uh, tanks, as they say, in college baseball right now, home run-wise. Yes, aluminum bat. Oh, oh, but it's uh, there's some guys in college baseball that you should keep an eye on in the World Series. Either you're loud or my headphones are loud. And I'm going to say it's probably my headphones. Turn them down a little bit. Is that better? Yeah. Um, Yeah, Otani is definitely going to change. Otani is changing baseball in so many different ways. I just wanted to bring it up here. Where are the Angels playing tonight? I saw this in the notes. It's incredible. It continues to be incredible. Where are they? Uh, The Angels are playing the – is that the the – at the Royals. The Royals have lost nine straight, by the way. They have the worst record in Major League Baseball. <laughs> Not the A's, the Kansas City Royals. And that's why uh, that's what I'm going to lead off today because I that was the number one thing about being on vacation that I was having that I was so happy with. All right, here it is. Shohei Otani is on a is on a hot streak right now. He's hitting 489. 13 extra base hits, 7 home runs, 16 RBIs in a 12-game hitting streak. <laughs> it's just amazing. But it's going to allow, like Mark Kotze, our manager, was a two-way player. Mark Kotze was the player of the year in college baseball. 
I'm not saying, and Mark Hotze would have just been a reliever. He would have been a left-handed guy who comes in through hard. I mean, he basically been he had better stuff than Sean Doolittle. Yeah, Doolittle's a former first baseman. I mean, Sean Doolittle became an all-star. Mark Kotze threw as hard as Doolittle and had breaking ball. So, and 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 Doolittle didn't even have that. Mark Kotze could have been a two-way player. But what I want to start with today is that with everything going on, and there's a lot going on, and there was a lot that happened when I that when. Uh, I was on vacation. And there's it's so hard to isolate the players because it's what you need to do because everybody still has a job to do. And it's hard to isolate what's going on because their job, this is what they get paid to do. And if you don't perform, you're going to be out of here. So for the coaching staff, for the players to actually finally get some success, after all the hard work, that's one thing that Ace Cast Live that we get to see on the field. You know, they're they're a bad team. We know that. We're not sugarcoating it. My God, you're what nineteen and fifty two. You're twenty four and a half games out. You're a bad team, but they're working hard. And the fact that you're finally getting some guys back healthy, you're finally starting to win games. It just it justifies the things that you're doing. And 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 I'm happy. I'm happy for. The coaching staff, I'm happy for the players that they're starting to be rewarded. Uh, talking about the stuff like the reverse boycott and talking about the stuff that, that happened while I was gone. Um, you know, we, we've, we have been, you know, the, the Vegas stuff's going down. You know, the different votes. Now the governor signing SB1 and everything's been going on. I said this yesterday in the clubhouse show. And I'll say again here on A's Cast Live, you know, the bottom line is we can only deal with what we can control. That's it. And what we're paid to do is to cover the team. We're not covered to to, to cover the politics. We're not paid to cover the politics. That's not our job. And we've been consistent with that. We know not everybody's going to be happy with that. We know where the mindset is for a lot of you and what you want and the anger and you, and we understand it. I know it's awful for a lot of fans. It's very tough for you. My heart goes out to you. I'm not being callous about this. I'm just telling you, I've lived this before. A lot of you are 49er fans. Some of you are Raider fans. But for you A's fans or Raider fans, you know we've done this before. The reverse boycott reminded me of the last Raider game, which, oh, yeah, wasn't the last Raider game because there ended up being a whole other season. I've been through two last Raider games. I've been through this. I've seen a team that I worked for and that I loved move. This is the sad I'm, – I'm, I'm reliving this all over again. It is all – as much as people want to be out there and they want to act like this is something that they can't believe, well, where were you a few years ago when this the exact same thing happened with the Raiders? The exact same thing. And the exact same reaction. It's like, the, it's like this playbook. It's like this movie. This is happening all over again, and people are acting like they've never seen this movie before. So uh, trust me, I understand how you feel. I feel bad for you. But... Here on A's Cast and A's Cast Live and on the A's Clubhouse Show, 
We're going to continue to do baseball. Turn me down a little bit more. Did you turn up something? I turned you up a little bit. Okay. So uh, if, if you're looking for blood, you're not getting it here. We're going to continue to cover the team. We're going to continue to cover Major League Baseball because that's our job. And we love what we do. And there's other outlets for you to get. If you're looking for that, there's other outlets for you to go get that. But we're going to cover and we're going to deal with what we can control. And we're going to be consistent with that. And we have been consistent with that. Kind of learned that from David Forrest. David Forrest, a general manager who taught us, hey, you know, if you're always consistent and you're always, you're not lying and you're not doing shady stuff, you never have to, no one's ever going to say, well, you said this and you did that and you, we're consistent. We're going to cover the A's. We're going to cover Major League Baseball. It's what we're going to do. It's what we're designed to do. We're going to let all of the stuff that's going on be, you know, outside the lines, as they like to say. We're going to let other people deal with that. We're here for baseball. You want baseball? You come in. This is the only place in the Bay Area you're getting baseball on a consistent basis. And a lot of people were hopped on this story that we haven't seen for years. They're like ambulance chasers, in my opinion. You got to remember, the guy you're looking at right here, right here, I'm the one that's been at all these games. I'm the one that's been at all these games for all these years sitting in my box. I've been there for the great games, and I've been there for the lonely nights. I know who comes to the Coliseum. I know who's been there and who hasn't. Now, there's some people that are genuine, and we love them, and we care about them, and we respect them. We respect the job that they're doing covering all of this. But that's a very small percentage because you have a lot of people who've never given a damn who never showed up, who've never been there. And all of a sudden, they appear. I, that's it's one of the reasons why I'm glad I was on vacation because I might have said some stuff that might have been hurtful because there's a lot of ambulance chasers out there that all of a sudden they now care. They're now involved. They now want to be a part of the story. People whose careers are dying now hopping on the story that hated the A's, that hated everything, and now they're like, oh, my God, now they care so much. Once again, I'm going to stay in my lane. Yeah, I have a lot of opinions on it, but I'm going to stay in my lane. Trust me, I've lived it more than anybody. There's very few of us who are at every single game. What years you want to talk about being at every game? Good years, bad years, playoff years, bad years. There's, there, there's a few of us who have been consistent throughout the years. But there's a lot of people who just showed up out of nowhere, and now all of a sudden, a bunch of big keyboard tough guys on Twitter showing up all of a sudden. They've been nowhere to be found for all this time. And I'm going to leave it at that. But I know how you feel, A's fans. It's tough. It really is. But we're going to continue talking baseball. And the Philadelphia Phillies are in town tonight. And, you know, all of a sudden, when you start looking about being competitive, I mean, you look at this, Cody. You, remember, you, you take two out of three from the Braves, right? 
And then all of a sudden, you're going to Pittsburgh. I, I wanted to say this series or this streak started with you going to Pittsburgh. I made the joke that it all started once I showed up to the hotel bar after the first game in Pittsburgh. When I was there, the team didn't lose till the other day. But they took, did take two out of three from the Braves before that. So True, they, yeah. they would have lost the series before the Braves. I think we could have given it to you. By the way, how do you like the Hawaiian shirt? I do. I love this. Uh, why, you got me one from Hawaii. I haven't actually looked at it yet. Um, I'm actually probably going to wear it tomorrow for the outing I'm going to. But this is... The A's Hawaiian shirt that we're giving away on Sunday for Father's Day. I am not a father. You are. Uh, Correct. But I, but I am wearing it. Uh, I'll be a father someday soon. And Well, that, there's no news to announce. Don't worry. That's why the hair is still long. We'll get to that eventually. But Father's Day Sunday, you can get the shirt against the Phillies. Tonight's the drone show if you're going. So you get the, drone, the Pixar drone show. But sa- Sunday, you get this sweet Hawaiian shirt. Stand up, by the way. I want to point this out. So – I want you to know, so to, why are we not in the treehouse today? I'm doing um, NBC Sports A's pre- and post-game live with A's Hall of Famer Dave Stewart tonight. So that's why we're here. But this very shirt I wore earlier today here in San Francisco at the NBC Sports Studios, I went around and modeled it for everybody and told them I was going to wear it on the show tonight, and they're like, no, you're not. I'm like, yes, I am. Or Dave Stewart can do it by himself. I don't know. But I, I <laughs> might take a stand. Yeah, I took a stand. I'm standing for Stomper. Um, I wore it around, and even the giant honks. And let me tell you something. There's a lot of giant honks around here. Yeah, they're all over. Uh, you know, the Giants producer, I had to have him print my notes out for me. And when I sent him the email, a thing popped up from the A's email. This is an unknown account. I said, look, even our email hates the Giants. We hate <laughs> you, sons of uh, even the Giants people were talking about how sweet this is. It's high quality, by the way. It's not going to be one of those giveaways where you wear it once and put it in the washer and it falls apart. You've got Stomper. You've got the A's logo, Hawaiian shirt. That is sweet. I know. I've been waiting for years. for. Well, I can't remember the last time we gave one away, so I'm glad we did it because I've been seeing other teams do it. The Pirates did it, I think, last year. And they I was gave like, away a Hawaiian shirt? Yeah, I was like, that's really cool that they're giving away a Hawaiian shirt in Pittsburgh. So we give away a Hawaiian shirt the week after I get back from Hawaii? Yeah. It, I well, could have worn that in Hawaii. Yeah, well, now you got I gave. I gifted you the one that uh, Vito gave to us. Our, our uh, What is Vito's official? He, he's a big wig in marketing. I don't know his official title. Uh, he's I, Vito. Yeah, he's Vito. Trust me. You, you do veto wrong, someone's sleeping with the fishes. Yeah, he looks like uh, we made it. Oh, we, looks, we, we were joking in the club. We were joking in our. He looks straight out of the Godfather. We, we were. We <laughs> v- were. Vito could have been in the Godfather. He's he's grown that mustache back. Uh, I don't know. Uh, you you want that Hawaiian shirt, huh? He uh, we were joking in our Ace Cast booth the other day if they remade Moneyball Part Two because the A's were on a seven game winning streak. You know who play who and uh, we we consensus was Jeffrey Dean Morgan would play. Um, would play Vito, the, the guy that plays Negan if he, anyone watches The Walking Dead. So there you go. So, yeah, Saturday, Sunday, you can get this sweet Hawaiian shirt, athletics.com slash tickets against the Phillies. Drone, Pixar drone show tonight. Treehouse happy hour is going on right now if anyone's going. Yes, we are not there, but they will still be doing bingo. There will be an ace player that shows up like Drinks normal. Drinks half off. Get in there and get it going. Um, I got to say, there's certain giveaways like – if you're a longtime A's fan, you'll remember. I don't even remember what year this was. I still have it. I well, my whole garage is full with A's giveaways. At some point, at some point, I will. We'll just on the show. We'll figure out a way 
to just give away all the stuff in my garage. But I will never give up. Text the code word free to figure out a number. I will never give up my Supercuts barbecue set. Okay, the spatula, the tongs. It was super cuts. Any of you A's fans, just shake your – if you're listening or you're watching, just up and down with me if you remember the barbecue super, cu- super cuts set. That was my favorite giveaway of all time that I still have and use to this day. Was that a Father's Day? I feel, I I feel it's like say, a good Father's Day I have giveaway. no idea. I want to say that's like 2010, 9, somewhere in that year, years. That was an awesome guy. I still have the Pringles back-to-school backpack for my kids. That was what, like 08, 09, 99? And I'll never forget when I was moving, probably like six years ago, where I had one of these backpacks, the back-to-school backpacks. Ace fans, you remember that? And I was like, what the hell's in here? And it was a Travis Buck bobblehead. <laughs> what can I get for that? I got to pay for college coming up. Can I pay for my kids' college with a T-Buck? Put it on eBay. You might be able to get some money for it. A T-Buck? You know what I'm trying to effort to get us right now? I, I have a connection in the uh, for the Sacramento River Cats. Sean, if you're listening from the grounds crew, you're on the clock to get it. I'm trying to get the Johnny Dosco bobble nose for us to put on the desk at the uh, Rhodes studio. That would be awesome. Because uh, sh- Dallas did a whole thing about it when they were at the uh, Bobblehead uh, Muse- Hall of Fame or that Bobblehead Museum be- in Mi- <laughs> Miami. That would be classic. Yeah, if we can get, to, if we can somehow, we I've looked online. It's hard to find. <laughs> There's Johnny Dosco trading cards, but the Johnny Dosco bobble nose. Bobble we got to find it. I mean, someone in Sacramento at the River Cats has to have it from like two, 20 years ago. I know it's lying around somewhere. We did add a new one. We added the um, uh, the big three bobblehead. We now have the on, the, on the radio on the uh, uh, remote and I, studio. And I, and I have some actually in my trunk. We need to add. I can't remember what they are, but. I mean, I love the ones that we have, but we do we do need to up that. Um, Phillies are coming to town, and the Fightins are back. Kind of reminiscent of last year without firing Joe Girardi. Uh, they've won 10 of 12. They're outscoring their opponents 71 to 45. Just had a very good series with our good friend and my pick in the National League, the Arizona, first place Arizona Diamondbacks, Tori Lovello yeah, they and the won Snakes. Three or four they won in, Phil, in uh, Arizona. So they, they, they are playing good baseball, and they look to move two games over 500 for the first time since April 30th when they were 15 and 13. So right now they're pulling that magic trick at 35 and 34, and you start looking at their division, and the Braves have had a major handle. But the Braves, you think about it, as well as they've played, man, they just have a five-game lead over Miami. Uh, they have Philly is just eight games back. With we're not even at the halfway point, so a long, long way to go. Bryce Harper, who has been hitting, you know, he hasn't hit a dinger in his last eighteen games. I remember, I remember you saying that because he only has, I think, three on the season. Yeah, he's slugging only two eighty four during that time. Yeah, I mean, he's in two eighty nine on the year. The ones, I, the one, the two players that I'm alarmed by, and we've mentioned this before. Uh, Kyle Schwarber hitting uh, 176, I believe, with 18 home runs. Um, he's still not figuring out average-wise, but I don't think he ever will. He's always going to hit home runs. But the big one is Trey Turner, who you gave all that money to. Ooh. Him and his 90 OPS plus. <laughs> Unreal, right? We were down at the winter meetings. It was, the, it, it was Judge and the shortstops. That's yeah. what it was. It was Judge. And the shortstops. Everybody was worried, and obviously, uh, from a Bay Area perspective, the Giants were in on Judge. 
He was the guy. That was the market. That was what everybody was looking at. When we when we arrived in San Diego, it was about next year, by the way, Nashville. Should be a good time. By the way, I know somebody who's looking to uh, start a team in Nashville. Aren't you doing television with him tonight? Yeah, his name's Dave Stewart. So we've already talked to Dave uh, at the winter meetings next year in or this year in Nashville. In December, we'll be hanging out with Dave Stewart, and he's going to give us a official. They've got offices and stuff. We'll 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 get a sneak peek of what the Nashville Stars are going to look like once A's get situated, Tampa gets situated, and then the league expands to thirty-two teams. We'll get that with Dave Stewart. Um, what was I just talking about? Uh, we're talking about Nashville winter meetings. Trey Turner. Trey Turner. So Aaron Arson Judge and the Giants. We're 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 down there, and the and, and you're thinking, you know, Aaron Judge was at was in Tampa for Thursday night foot. Was it thir- Monday night football or Thursday night? Football? Monday night football. Monday night football in Tampa. He was rumors are he's coming to San Diego, and everybody's like he's meeting with the Giants, because the Yankees keep up in their offer. The Yankees, by the way. Never had to exceed the offer by the California teams. That's right. What we didn't know at the time were the Padres were in on Judge. Well, the Padres and the Giants, every single time they upped their offer to Judge, the Yankees just had to come up a little bit because of why? State taxes. State tax. Even though New York pays high state taxes, it's still not California. So they just had to keep increasing a little bit by a little bit. They go up, we go up. But they never have to beat them. What is ours, like 13.3%? I believe they're getting taxed for every home game, 13.3%. But I'm not a tax attorney, so I I know that's the top that you can get taxed in the state of California, 13.3%. It's higher than New York. So, But New York just kind of had to keep uh, upping the offer, but never had to beat the Padres. Padres were, we didn't realize, and we learned this from Bob Melvin. That's right. Padre Skipper joined us at the winter meetings, and he broke it all down. No. Judge did not come in to meet with the Giants. It's so funny how clueless the Giants were about these negotiations when they supposedly were the lead dog. It was Judge flying in before he was going to Hawaii. He uh, flew in with his family to meet with the Padres. And it was the Padres. But the guy who 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 changed everything early at the winter meetings was Trey Turner. He got the 11 years, shocked everybody. He was the first big name. When we arrived in San Diego, it was Judge. Then it's going to be the shortstops. It was Trey Turner signed the 11-year deal, leaving the Dodgers, going to Philadelphia. That was the first major block. In the winter meetings, here you are, after you've had labor strife, You've had the lockout. This is the first full year, and they were spending. People are ready to spend because you know that there's not going to be any more labor problems for a while, and people are ready to spend, and it was Trey Turner getting the 11-year 300 and whatever it was. What was, was it? Was it 280? I thought it was 11 years 280. I don't know. I, that was a long time ago. You expect me to remember December? Well, I was going to say that hack Trey Turner. Uh, it was uh, let's see, Trey Turner signs a 11, 11 years, three hundred million. Sorry. Yeah, I thought it was three hundred. Two two eighty was uh, Bogarts, like two eighty five. Two eighty five, I think. Yeah. Well, remember that's now the second time we saw a guy when we got to San Diego. The guy signs a major deal with Strasburg the first time. We know how that's unfortunately working out for the Nats and uh, Trey Turner and his ninety OPS plus is not working out so far for the. Phillies. But wait a minute, Carlos Correa. Talk about another great giant signing. 
So this was forever giant. Forever giant. Does he get to be next to Marvin Bernard on the wall with Ellis Burks and and Eric Davis and all that the seri- other? That series is coming up. Are we going to go there and do a? We have to, uh, if we only if maybe maybe the next time we come up to NBC, we just walk over, tape a segment there, and then we just run it when we play the Giants at Oracle Park. I love making fun of the Giants, and and by the way, the whole Giants broadcast team because the Giants are down in L.A. to take on the Dodgers, so they're doing the remote broadcast, so all the people who run Giants baseball are right on the other side. You're looking at this wall that says Oakland has the collie there with the beautiful sunset. I love this one, by the way. This backdrop, we got the backdrop at my house that I like. It's it's more of Ricky Henderson Field because you can't see Ricky Henderson Field. It's below us here, but up here, I mean, is this – how good does that look? I, like, I really like this one, It's so one of the main reasons I love doing the show from here. I don't think you can get it. I mean, nobody else in baseball has this. Look at that. That is incredible. Because for us looking at it, it just looks like blah. But the way it comes through the cameras is you actually see the sunset and you actually see the clouds. It's awesome. But, yeah, that was – Trey Turner was a big deal. So, you know, the Phillies come in here. They're now starting to hit. They're now starting to hit. Taiwan Walker is going tonight for Philly. He's won his last two starts. But but this is what's fun is now we can actually talk about an ace. We can talk ace baseball a little bit more. You know, at some point there was nothing good to talk about. I'm excited about stuff. Talk about J.P. Sears. J.P. Sears, I mean, if you were betting anybody was going to establish themselves out of all the starting pitchers this year, if we would have said who's the guy that establishes himself this year, down at spring training. We didn't do this segment. Maybe we should have. But I think we all would have been wrong. If you had in your bingo board, would you have had J.P. Sears? I think the easy money probably would have been, we would have said Waldachuk, right? You already know what Blackburn is. I mean, Kyle Muller would have been on that yeah, list. Yeah, Muller for sure. I was actually pretty high on James Caprellian. He's pitched I, better He's pitched better he's lately. pitched better, yes. yeah. But – Sears has been great over his last six, two five three ERA. I mean, he's been great over the last six. My goodness, ERA over the last eight is like two ninety one. Nine earned run last thirty two innings. That's an ERA of two point five three. JP Sears, who when we first interviewed him, we found out a lot about him. Regimented, and then you just realize, I mean, this guy went to the Citadel. He has grown up or in through college. There's the military influence. This guy is calculated. This guy is tough. And you know what? There is a reason. Do you remember the first time we ever laid eyes on J.P. Sears? It was last year, right? It was against the Yankees. He came. They brought him up. He was pitching for the Yankees. The Yankees started him against the A's. And during that time, remember, the Yankees were on, on, on a historic run at that point. When the A's faced them in late June, they didn't bring up Waldachuk, and they didn't bring up these other guys that they had. The guy that they had up was J.P. Sears. That tells you what the Yankees felt about him. J.P. Sears is somebody who you're saying, you know what? When we're in the building process and we're looking to find who's going to be here in the next few years to help this ball club win, I want J.P. Sears. And – he wouldn't have been the guy that I would have said at spring training is going to be the guy that's going to separate himself. I don't know how the rest of the, the season's going to work, but J.P. Sears 
has opened a lot of eyes, and I can't wait to talk to David Forrest about it. But J.P. Sears has become that guy who what does he what does he do versus so many other guys? Take Taj Bradley yesterday. What does J.P. Sears do? Throw strikes. He pitches. He pitches. He's not. He's not going to be out there. He's not going to be out there blowing a hundo and not not you know and, and and striking everybody out. What is he out there doing? He's pitching, and he's staying off barrels. Does he give up some home runs? And has he had a streak of some? Yeah. All right. But what we have seen of JP, he's starting to figure it out, and that's why you allow guys to go out there and get beat up a little bit and get roughed up. Let them pitch through the issues. Let them learn to pitch through the issues. Let them get their butt kicked. Let them be ticked off. Let them learn what does it take to pitch every five days, maybe every six days, (laughs) in this league. What's your preparation in between starts? How do you watch video? How do you work with Scott Emerson? How do you get better? Each and every week. Hey, you're going to go out there and have some stinkers. How do you rebound from it? How do you start to see consistency? J.P. Sears is the guy that is learning how to do that. Take Bradley yesterday. Bradley, you know, Bip Roberts and I yesterday on NBC were talking about, this kid's got a little Doc Good in him. Big old curveball, just effortless fastball coming out at 98. Bradley yesterday struck out 11 guys, struck out the first six A's batters. He's Tampa's. He's a prize prospect. Throws gas, big hook, just nasty. So here's a guy that strikes out the first six batters. He's cruising. He goes four and a third. That's my issue in baseball today. He's not. He was cool coming out with his great stuff, blowing everybody away. And the minute things, the minute it got tough. He got pulled after four and a third. He's not learning how to pitch. He's not learning how to pitch through it. That's who Tampa is. And Tampa went with one, two, three, four, five relievers after him. They got the win. It's tough to complain about how they do it because they've got 50 wins in 72 games. They're the uh, seventh team in the wild card era to do that. And the wild card era has now been around, what do we say, is 92? 95, I believe. Oh, 94, but the strike. Yeah. It was 94, but, of course, we had the strike, 95. Um, that's pretty impressive what they're doing. But that's a great example. Here's a kid, 11 strikeouts, dominating, a little bit of trouble. He's out of there. He doesn't learn how to do it. That's why I like how J.P. Sears, there's been multiple times this year, J.P. Sears has been allowed to go well over 100 pitches, and he didn't have to go to the hospital. And then there was the one time we were here when he only had the 59. So, yeah, but you're right. He has a the start in Pittsburgh. He had over 100 pitches. Yeah, he's been able to go over 100. He's learning. J.P. Sears is learning in front of our eyes how to pitch and how to be successful at this level. And, and, and it takes some time. But you've got to give guys the opportunity. And a good note here is I was just looking over the email. A good note for A's fans to know, Richard Lovelady, and we're going to hear from Mark Kotze here in just a sec. Richard Lovelady is hurt. But MRI has come back, and it's not going to be Tommy John surgery because that was the thing when he threw that pitch and was in obvious pain, grabbing the elbow, got to pull a guy out, with, you know, what usually happens. 
Yeah, he, he finally had something wrong. Ligament, Tommy John, out for the year. I mean, do I, we do we do we in our press release? It's strained left elbow. So the yeah. MRA was he'll go on the 15 day IL strained left elbow. Uh, Chad Smith will be recalled from AAA, but that's good news for Richard Lovey. Richard Lovelady, sneaky, one of the best interviews on the team. Yeah, he's very good. We uh, while you were gone, while you were gone, uh, we had Sam Long on with Johnny. Uh, Sam Long, good interview too. Sneaky some of, good. Some of our our left handed relievers are pretty. Him, Lovelady, Sam Mall is a good interview. So did Johnny say bro to him? Bro, I love you. Bro, I love uh, you. I don't think bro, so. Bro, bro. No, I don't think so. Bro, you're the best lefty I've ever seen. No, I, I bro. don't. Bro, I don't think he used bro with them. I'm trying to think. Johnny Evans going to the playoffs after during that seven game. Uh... <laughs> he did, he did he did say on the air. Uh, hey hey, just being an optimist, and we're only twenty out of the wild card. <laughs> hey, these guys all like each other. They're playing cards. <laughs> I love Johnny. I, <laughs> I mean, he did in Pittsburgh. I'll give him credit when being there. He said they're going to win two or three against Pittsburgh. They're going to go on a hot – he said all they're going to go on a hot – the only thing Johnny's gotten wrong is, well, he said the White Sox win the Central and the Cardinals are going to go to the World Series. Uh, well, the White Sox could still win the Central, but the Cardinals are not going to the World Series. I think, I, I think, I can, I think I'll mark the tape and say they're not going to the World Series. So you add Schilt, who was the manager in St. Louis. Yeah, now he's, I think he's on Bob Melvin's staff in San Diego. Okay, so Schilt is a guy that comes up through your system, leads you to all the success – you get rid of him for uh, philosophical differences. That's correct. Right? I, mean, I, I want to be purely factual here. You say we don't have the same mindset on, on how a baseball team should be run. So what we're going to do is, after you've had all this success, we're going to get rid of you. And we're going to bring in the house guy, which is now Marmol, who makes questionable decisions in the first round to this Philadelphia Phillies team. They get bounced. And now in your second year, after you have two of the top three guys in the MVP balloting, Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado, you're the St. Louis Cardinals. You spend a lot of money. You're a model organization. You got rid of your manager who was a cardinal through and through and led you to nothing but success to get the house guy in. And the house guy gets you bounced in the first round. And now in his second year where it was uh, complaining about, was O'Neal running the bases? Yep, Tyler O'Neill, yeah. So it was O'Neal running the bases. What was the other issue they had? Um, it was a pitching issue. Yeah, I forget who it was with, though. Oh, Wilson Contreras, Contreras oh, yeah, catcher. They, yeah. By the way, he, the other day he said he lost all his confidence. Your prize free agent, free agents lost his confidence, yeah. And he, they didn't want to use him behind the plate, that whole thing. It's, the Cardinals have been a mess. They're 27-42. All right. They've lost five in a row. They're 27-42. and 42. You had a manager that was leading you to nothing but success to bring in the house guy, dumpster fire, 27-42, Lost five in a row. You're ten and eight in your last ten games. You used to be a model organization. How you just see you re- it just shows how important the manager is. The guy at the front of the plane, the guy at the front of the bus, the guy that has to deal with the human beings, the guy that has to deal with the issues. Trust me, 
I can't tell you how many times I was in Bob Melvin's office getting ready to do the Bob Melvin show, and luckily enough, all the players were comfortable enough around me that they would come in and start talking to Bob about stuff and off days and stuff like this. I'd be sitting on the couch, and it was like I wasn't even there. And I saw guys say stuff to Bob like I was like, I couldn't believe it. But I think they understood I wasn't going to say anything. I wasn't going to immediately go, hey, you know what I just heard in Bob's office? I mean, obviously I was not going to do that. And I had a good enough relationship with the players. You weren't going to tweet it out, you mean? I wasn't going to. I can't tweet it out now. Uh, But, yeah, I wasn't going to tweet it out. But, yeah, I mean, I saw players come in, and, I mean, someone's got to deal with real stuff. These are players. These are human beings. They've got problems. They have problems just like you and me. They got problems with wives, girlfriends, parents' health, kids' health, kids. They got problems. Human beings have issues. Someone has to deal with the players. You just can't all sit here and go, what's his barrel rate? And what's the exit velocity? And what is he versus lefties versus righties? And there's more to that. There's more to that. And Marmol in St. Louis is showing you. Look how look how fast St. Louis has collapsed without leadership. Yeah, there's now rumors. Uh, there was before we get to Kate real quick. There was a rumor MLB MLB.com did an article about trade trade deadlines, and one of the guys they referenced is Paul Goldschmidt to the Phillies. Really? There's a hypothetical, but yeah. Well, yeah. Do I have to go Jim Harbaugh? Hypotheticals. Hypotheticals. I don't deal in hypotheticals. Philly needs a first baseman. Hoskins is out for the year. Remember the mm-hmm. uh, the injury? Mm-hmm. Just saying. I can't stand Philadelphia, but. Well, Dombrowski's a big-time Wheeler and Dealer. He'll, My good friend, Dave Dombrowski. He'll ship runs. out Painter and uh, some of their guys they have to, to get them. Do they have a lot of what, – what do they have left uh, in their cupboard? Well, their top prospect's Andrew Painter, the, the hard-throwing righty. I think yeah, but he's guy. had arm problems. Yeah, I think – but he'll be a guy – well, the Cardinals need more than anything, starting pitching. Pitching, power pitching. Yeah. Well, maybe that would be a good one because I'm going to trade a guy that, man, this guy's a ticking time bomb for Paul Goldschmidt. They have a couple good uh, – I believe I have to look at their system, but I think they have a couple good uh, young pitchers they could deal for for Goldie. I A, a oft-injured top prospect pitcher I would give up in a second because I know where that's leading. It's, Astros have the, same, have the same thing going. They could trade one of their top guys for a bat too. Well, they got Jose Abreu. Abreu, by the way. Abreu's hot. Yeah. He's like five home runs now. He's hot. He opened the floor. Ever since the first against the A's, he's opened the floor. How are your Astros doing since I got back? Oh, the Astros are right there, 39 and 30, just doing fine. All right, Mark Kotze. Been a while since we talked to Kotz. Unfortunately, during a lot of the, you know, for some of you who tried to act like I was not a part of this win streak. That's just not factual. I got a lot of people saying, can you keep Kintani stay in Hawaii? That's just not factual. <laughs> to, to uh, what's his name? Gundy, Oklahoma State. Oh, Mike Gundy. That's just not true. I'm a man. I'm 40. Yeah. If you remember that speech, part of that speech was, that's just not true. That ain't true. That's it. That <laughs> <laughs> Gundy's still there, by the way. Uh, of course he is. Do you know I was there? When he played quarterback for Oklahoma State at the Holiday Bowl in San Diego with Barry Sanders, when they beat uh, the Wyoming Cowboys, I saw him play quarterback. Wow, that's a long time. That's true. Yeah. And we're both over 40. Yeah. I'm a man. I'm 40. He's on 50. Okay. 
Where was I going with that? Uh, something with Kotze. Oh, I was here for the first two games of Pittsburgh. I was here for the start of the streak. I was I so to act like I was not a part of the streak is not correct. Will you verify that for me? Correct, you were here. Yes, the first. So yes, I was here. I was I, I was here for game one and two of a second game streak. I mean, settle down. It's not like you won fifteen in a row. Yeah, I was here. Seven's for, good though. I was here for almost a third of it. Yeah, fair. But it, such you guys who haven't put the blood, sweat, and tears into this, you and your little friend Johnny Dosco and Jessica Kleinschein. Oh, you, you guys, the guy, you guys, the guy who's put the blood, sweat, and tears into this, you throw under the bus. You people just reap the rewards, and I want to throw me out, huh? What do you mean? They, the, I think I got my first post game win the other day when they swept the Brewers. It's a joke. <laughs> it's a joke. It's just not true. Here is the manager of the Oakland Athletics. It's time for the Mark Kotze Show. Time now for the Mark Kotze Show, brought to you by nestbedding.com. Love where you sleep. Of course, they have their locations in the Bay Area. Or you go to nestbedding.com for your bed, your pillows, your sheets, you name it. For all your bedding needs, nestbedding.com. Use the coupon code OAKLAND to get 10% off your entire order. That's nestbedding.com. Mark Kotze, last time we talked, uh, things weren't going so hot. I know there's a long way to go, but I know right now the way your team has been playing, you have to be pretty excited about what you've seen with some changes. Yeah, we are, Tony. And, uh, you know, this stretch has been great for this club in terms of just building the confidence that that we may have been lacking early. You know, we talk a lot about success and confidence and, you know, the hard work that these guys have put in, um, the growth that they're showing over the last two months. Um, you know, we're starting to be reflective of the wins and losses. So, you know, ideally, um, you know, we can continue this. We can continue to to perform and play and win games, um, you know, the rest of the season. Uh, you know, at, we're probably not at the current pace that we're on, uh, you know, when you're seven, win seven out of your last nine. But, um, you know, hopefully uh, we continue to, to play good baseball. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm just looking at the notes and looking how things have really changed for you. Nine and seven since Memorial Day, and you think about the winning streak. There's one thing that it always comes back to in our game is pitching. Look how much better your pitching has gotten. Look how the openers helped your pitching. Let's start with that. How do you think the openers really affected your staff? Well, you know, I mean, I think if you look at Hogan Harris, it's I think Hogan's benefited from it the most. Um, you know, Medina, um, we've done that for Medina. Uh, I think, you know, he had one good start, one bad start, um, you know, but ultimately what the idea of the opener is, is really to, to find a softer landing spot for these starters to come in where they're not facing the best three hitters right out of the chute. And, uh, and I think it has been successful. I think we're still going to continue forward with it. Um, you know, uh, and when we have availability from the bullpen standpoint to, to utilize guys, um, you know, we will do that going forward. And, and the biggest adjustment for us is really just trying to identify, you know, where we can, you know, lead these guys to success, um, you know, in shorter outings. You know, you look at a guy like Ken Wallachuk that we've, you know, put down in the bullpen, um, kind of twofold, right? One to uh, ease his workload. Um, because, you know, if you look at our rotation, there's not a single starter that's pitched for a full season in the big leagues uh, and made 30 plus starts. Uh, that's real. And then on this on the secondary side, you know, Ken's succeeding right now. He's he's doing well with these shorter outings and, and coming off last outing, uh, the three inning, you know, save that uh, I think set a record for Oakland 
uh, you know, baseball in terms of uh, performance and numbers, um, he had an eye opening that, hey, my changeup is real. I can throw my changeup and be confident in it. So. Well, and I, and I think about Dick Williams back in the day where he knew he had this guy named Raleigh Fingers that he could bring in for two innings, three innings. How does that feel where you got a reliever that you're not saying, hey, I just got to get him through the eighth or the seventh. I, I can bring this guy in seventh or eighth and he can take this thing to the house. Yeah, it, it's definitely an old school approach to a certain extent, you know, um, utilizing guys multiple innings down in the bullpen. Um, you're seeing a little bit more of it from different teams uh currently but i think you know if you've got a reliever like you're talking about um you know that follows a starter and can finish a game you're using two pitchers instead of four or five pitchers in a, in a night and there's really uh, some value in that you know we got the us we got the us open going down in los angeles at los angeles country club and speaking of golf it kind of reminds me of the opener it's like in golf if you could guarantee me that I go out there and I get maybe par on the first two or three holes just to settle me for the rest of the round to set it up. That's kind of how I see the opener. It's like you go out, just settle the game in, where all of a sudden you get a couple outs, now you bring somebody else in, but it just kind of settles the team. Would you say that's kind of how the opener feels? It's just to kind of get your your feet under, under you to start the game. Yeah, you know that's a good that's a good analogy. I mean, I would take par in the first four and then go to the oh. medium course, and 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 when you look up, you know you're at 16 and and you're you've got still a, you know, three stroke lead. That'd be great. Um, you know, and and I think for like you're talking about it, it definitely uh, is a good feeling when the opener goes out and and is successful, right? And then the starter comes in and you look up, and that starter is at 65 pitches, and we're in the sixth inning of the game, and he's performing, and you can continue with him, and now you're into the seventh or eighth inning, um, you know, so yeah, there's, there's multiple ways to, to look at it and, and to paint the picture. But I think, you know, for us right now, it's the, the main thing it's doing is it's allowing these start young starters, like you said, to, to get a comfortable landing spot coming into a game. You've dealt with a lot of injuries. You've had some guys start to come back. You're going to have more coming back. What does that mean for your ball club going forward that you're kind of getting somewhat of the group back together and more is coming? Yeah, you know, if you're talking in terms of the pitching side, you know, Kirby Sneed's out on a rehab assignment. Um, you know, recently, re, you know, re acquired Freddie Tarnock is also out. Um, you know, we've got Zach Jackson starting to throw. We've got, um, you know, a few other guys, you know, Mason Miller, um, Danny Jimenez. So these guys are starting to make a lot of progress, and that's a good sign. You know, the more pitching depth we can create and we can have in this organization uh, – you know, obviously, for me, the the more comfortable it is, and and the more success, in my opinion, that that we'll have uh, going forward. When you think of all the hard work, because you know the one thing about A's Cast Live is the fact that we're always out there early, and we get to see all the hard work your players and your coaches are putting in. It's a lot of sleepless nights. It's a lot of hard work getting there early, trying to turn this thing around. When you have a winning streak. What does that do for the players? What does it do for your coaching staff when you kind of get basically rewarded for all that hard work? No, you, you just said it. You, you do get rewarded. And, um, you know, it, it just it brings a piece about, um, you know, how the the processes. Right. We, we talk a lot about our processes. We talk about, um, you know, the guys work working towards uh, getting better. And when they don't see the success you know, in competition, it's hard to stay with those processes. So, you know, um, 
again, our message is that that time is our ally. Um, you know, we're going to continue to grind. That we're going to continue to try to change this narrative um, that surrounds this ball club uh, from a performance-based standpoint. And um, you know, hopefully, you know, we're going to keep our heads down until the finish line. And when we look up, um, you know, the, the the progress we've made, we'll evaluate it and and uh, and move forward. I don't think I've ever asked you about him, but I know Ryan Noda was a guy that when I met him in spring, I went, wow, ton of confidence here. I love that because you need that confidence. You had that confidence. You got to have it to compete at this level. He just needed an opportunity, and we saw that he's really good defensively. He's a big guy that can run. We see that he's got a very mature eye at the plate. Just started, just need to see whether he's going to be able to swing it and start driving baseballs. And so you just month after month after month, I mean, you look up and you still got an 850-plus OPS, and we're in the middle of June. It's really impressive. Talk about what you've seen this first, almost first half uh, of baseball from your first baseman, your young first baseman. <laughs> you just described it pretty well. Um, you know, he came as advertised in terms of the eye at the plate, the ability to get on base, um, we've seen some growth in his, uh, you know, aggression and, and aggressiveness, um, you know, in certain count situations, um, you know, but that hasn't taken away from his own discipline. So, uh, you know, for Ryan, uh, when you talk about confidence and for those that really follow uh, A's baseball, uh, those that are watching this broadcast, uh, he was on MLB, uh, I believe, yesterday morning. Yeah. Uh, and sported some sunglasses during that interview. So there's some there's some definite confidence, and uh, uh, he didn't he did maybe get a little ridiculed for for that uh, you know flamboyancy. On uh, but hey, I'll take it. Hey, you go out and you perform, and you go play, and you're putting up numbers like that. You can do what you want, right? Yeah, and, and I think another guy uh, in June, Jace Peterson. Uh, the run he has been on starting in Pittsburgh. Talk about, talk about what he's been able to do for your ball club. Yeah, no, it's been fun to watch Jace. Uh, he, he's one of those guys that, you know, when we talked about, um, you know, the back of a baseball card, when when you look turn it over, you know, there's some enough at-bats at the major league level to support, like, hey, you know, this guy's a career 231 hitter. He's a career guy that, uh, you know, can drive in runs and, and, and take those good – at bats with with runners in scoring position, and I think we've seen that over the last seven to ten days from Jace. Uh, you know, it, it, he's been great. He's kept the right mindset as all pros do, um, knowing that it would turn and it has turned for him, and um, couldn't be happier about that for him. You know, it's so funny when we talk about home games versus road games. Sometimes road trips, it's good to get out of Dodge. It's good to have the guys that are, you're on the plane together, you're on the buses together, going to dinner, going to lunch, going to breakfast, hanging out, really getting to know each other. Is there something to that last road trip where you guys were just together? It was you against the world and all of a sudden it started to click? Yeah, you know, I think the identity of the ball club is coming together more and more. Um, you know, we haven't made a move, I think, in 18 days today. Uh, we have to make a move based on injury with uh, Richard Lovelady uh, coming out of the game yesterday. Chad Smith will be joining us. But um, one of those, I think that's a product of, of not, you know, making a move and keeping these guys together. And um, really, you know, I think them finding themselves, uh, you know, and the confidence that we've gained from that road trip in Pittsburgh, beating a first place team, going on to Milwaukee, beating another at the time Milwaukee was in the fir in first place in the central. So, and then coming home against a good race team, we played really good baseball and the, the growth that I talked about at post game yesterday, you know, we went into 
Tampa early on and, and we got embarrassed and there wasn't anything that we did well uh, for that three game series. And, and it showed in, in all in all facets. And, you know, we go into a four game series against them and come out, you know, splitting the series with a chance, a real chance to win yesterday uh, with the bases loaded. If, you know, that ball goes through, Walls doesn't make a play. So um, there's been a lot of growth. And if you look at it from that standpoint, you're, you're going to have the right mindset going forward with this club. I haven't seen the report yet on Lovelady. He'd been throwing the ball real well for you. It, it didn't look good, him coming out of the game yesterday. Can you give us an update? Yeah, I don't think it's um, uh, anything that's going to be longer um, than 15 days. So, um, you know, I don't have the exact uh, terminology for, for the injury, but um, I know that uh, the MRI was was pretty clean. Um, so we're, we're real thankful for that and, and real happy for for love to, to get that diagnosis as opposed to the opposite. Let's end on this because the College World Series is starting today. Obviously, this interview is going to run throughout the week. Uh, Stanford is there. Uh, College World Series means a lot to all of us who played college baseball at one point, uh, especially to you, who's someone who knows what it's like to win it all, to be a national champion and to be an All-American and a Golden Spikes guy. Uh, you, you had a long career in Major League Baseball, but just talk about what that experience was like for you Cal State Fullerton winning the national title, Omaha. It's like it's like a college baseball world. It's it's unbelievable. Tell us about the experience. No, you, you described it perfectly. It's an unbelievable experience as a young uh, adult. Uh, you know, kids are eighteen to twenty-one years old. You're going to Omaha. You're playing the biggest stage. Um, you know that that's possible. And you know that the the reflection on Omaha is the people of, of Omaha are amazing. They go out, they support it. I mean, it's it's incredible the amount of support and uh, the energy that, that packs itself inside that stadium. Um, you know, for me, winning it and being a part of that team in 1995, the, 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 that we, uh, you know, we, we were number one in the country for most of the year, and that was a tough expectation level to go into Omaha and win. And I think LSU may be that same kind of team going in or Wake Forest. Uh, or no, it's not Wake Forest. Is it West Virginia? That's one or is it Wake Forest? Wake Forest, right? Wake I haven't followed it like exactly, but, um, you know, those those expectations are real. And, uh, you know, it, it's just exciting. I, I hope that everybody uh, gets a chance to watch at least one of those games and uh, and sees the passion and the uh, just the level of play that, that exists, uh, you know, on that stage. Well, your 1995 team is considered arguably the greatest college baseball team of all time because – after your last loss in conference, you didn't lose again. You ran the table all the way to the championship. By the way, who was that last loss against? It was uh, UNR at UNR. I believe it was San Jose State, I thought. Was it really? Are you sure yeah. we were on that team? We, we, we beat you on that Sunday when Mark Langston came down, former San Jose State Spartan, and talked to us before the game. There you go. Okay. See, I don't remember, you know, a lot of the, that. <laughs> I don't remember the stuff that doesn't matter. Of course you don't. Hey, you know, it's great to be It's great to be back. It's great to see when it, and you know what? I can see it in your face in the press conferences. It's just life is better when you win at the big league level. It's, it's, it's that simple. It's, it is different. And, uh, you know, you look great. Your tan looks great. I mean, Maui must've been amazing. So, uh, slightly jealous of that as well. All right, buddy. Be well. We'll talk to you next week. All right, Tony. Take care. Oh, the Mark Kotze show. Always great to have Kotze on the program. 
Good to see him in better spirits. I'm thinking the same thing is going to happen with this very next show is the general manager of our Oakland Athletics Ready to Rock. David Force, how are you? I didn't I didn't know I had an opening act. So nice nice to be able to follow the manager. Yeah, just some manager. You're the headliner. I mean, it's like when we when you're going to the big show, you got to you got to bring on the main talent. You're it. Well, Kotz is a pretty good main talent in his own right, so we'll figure it out. You know, how happy are you for him with, with these wins? You, you can just see it. You can see it in him after the games. You can see it in an interview like that. Uh, it, it's tough when you're losing to be that manager, a lot of sleepless nights, but just how happy are you for Kotz and the staff? So getting some, valid, some validation with some of these wins. Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, going through that, that week of seven straight wins – uh, my thoughts were definitely with with Mark and the staff and all the work that they've put in, um, you know, every day, win or, lo- win or lose. So it's just nice to see, you know, I know Marcus said this, it's nice to see guys have their work rewarded with, with a win. And, um, you know, the losses have taken their toll and, and you know, we're going to continue to to run up against the tough clubs here, but it, it is nice to, to have that stretch. Now, obviously it's tough for the front office too, but when I think about the coaching staff, and all the time that you put in, but you only have so much control. Like you're helping these guys as much as you can, but you're you're not out there on the mound with them. Scott Emerson's not pitching. Tommy is not there in the box with these guys hitting. There's only so so. I gotta think it's so tough for the coaches because you put everything into it, all the video, all the data, everything you can to help the guys, but you can't hit you can't hit or pitch for them. Without without a doubt, I mean that's something we all share outside of the 26 guys on the field is you, you don't have control, um, you know, once the game starts. I mean, obviously, Mark is making moves uh, and they're talking to the guys between innings and, and Emo and, and Mike McCarthy are working with the pitchers and catchers as the game goes along. But um, but yeah, control is a big issue and the guys on the field have to go do it. So um, so that's why you feel extra good for Mark and the staff when they get to, you know, get to go home at night with a win. Now, I know you probably didn't think I was thinking about you on vacation, but I was thinking about you because... It's uh, good to know. It's a little scary, but good to know. Because I'm sitting there going, you know what? If I if I could get into David Force's mind, you know, when you're going through those tough times, it's hard for you to say, hey, listen, I haven't had Blackburn. I, I haven't had my big left-handed hitter. Seth Brown's been out. He's not only my big left-handed hitter, he's also the leader in our clubhouse. So I could give you his stats from the last 10 games, which is important, but he's also a main leader for you. And I know if you would have been saying that, people would have said, ah, who cares? But I was thinking about it. As this team starts to win, you start to see the guys that you relied on that you didn't have early, they're starting to get healthy for you. Well, you're right. We're not going to make excuses and talk about the guys who aren't around. But look, I mean, you look at the impact Paul has on the rotation. I think, what are we, nine and seven since he was activated, nine and eight something. I mean, obviously significantly different record than what we had before he was here. And and there's, there's such a significant impact of that. Having that guy you can count on every fifth day, five or six innings going to keep you in the game and it helps you reset the bullpen. It just gives you a different mindset. And, um, you know, just having one Paul Blackburn out there, I think really impacts the entire pitching staff and the entire team. Again, going out there with the idea that you know you have a chance to win tonight. So it's 
it, it's sort of it's hard to not really look at the impact he's had. And utilizing the opener, I just with Mark before you got on and got to see the end of it, I, I use the analogy since we got the U.S. Open going right now down in Los Angeles. I mentioned it's like golf. If you could tell me, I could guarantee that I got a couple pars to start the round and how much that would settle me going through the rest of the round. That to me is kind of like what the opener is. It kind of gets you on some solid footing, like a couple pars, and then away you go the rest of the game. Uh, you've utilized the opener really well. How, how, how do you feel about that analogy? And then just talk to us how the opener has been working for you. I do, I do like the analogy. I think, unfortunately, you know, the guy pitching in the first inning has to work for those pars. They're not, they're not guaranteed. Um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, there's a lot of reasons to do it. Obviously there are good matchups to be had in the first inning. If you, you know, like we did with Hogan, start the game with a righty, go to a lefty. Um, but you also see the impact it has on the starter being able to get through the sixth inning into the seventh inning, even get through that lineup where the top of the lineup's only seeing him for the second time through. Like there's a lot of benefits. It, it gives a reliever a different look and a, a little, little pressure free situation as opposed to coming in in the sixth or seventh. So we have had some success on both sides, you know, even if it doesn't always lead to a W I think the impact on the starter and, the, you know, guys who are frankly still developing, it, it makes a difference. You know, we didn't have this early on, but we definitely have it now. We have really good stories with the starting pitching. I think J.P. Sears, uh, we didn't see this, but if you would have said, who is the guy in spring training, if you said, who's going to be the guy that really separates himself, I don't know if a lot of us would have picked J.P. Sears, but right now he's got a 2.53 ERA over his last six starts. We know James Caprellian went down, kind of found himself Forget just talking about stuff. I think he kind of found himself as a pro where you got to look yourself in the mirror knowing that, you know, the road only goes so long. It seems like he's found himself. You mentioned Hogan Harris. You just, I mean, efforts, the way the ball the effortlessly comes out of his hand, it's so smooth. He's got great stuff. Just talk about how you're pitching in some of these guys are really starting to be competitive and be consistent, and that's what you need to do at this level. I mean, it's what you need to do as a team to have a chance to win. I mean, that's that's really the difference over the last three weeks versus, you know, what we saw in the season is, you know, guys sort of falling behind right away, team falling behind early in the game. But when you when you stabilize that starting rotation and all those guys you've talked about have really progressed since the beginning of the season. I mean, JP kind of came out of spring pitching well, had some good starts early on. But as a group, that rotation – uh, has really made progress, and that's not easy to do at this level. Um, you know, it's it's hard to learn up here, to, to develop up here, and they have done it. You know, like you said, Cap went down for a couple starts in AAA. Um, you know, even moving Waldachuk into the pen for some two- and three-inning outings, you saw the way he threw the ball the other night in innings seven, eight, and nine, and that's, that's a huge success to get him throwing strikes, um, you know, he threw as many change-ups and got as many swings and misses in the three-inning outing as he did in most of his starts. So there's some really good things going on. Kyle Muller threw six innings last night in Vegas, gave up one run, punched out seven. So these are things that, you know, you expect they're going to happen out of the gate, but it's probably unfair to young pitchers. And you, you and I have talked a lot about these guys going up and down and up and down in terms of their performance. So we're trying to be patient, trying to, you know, take the positives right now. And it's a good little run they're on.
And then talk to us about how at some point you're going to get reinforcements from some of your relievers who have been out who are starting to throw again. Yeah, Kirby Kirby Sneed's throwing the ball really well between Arizona and Vegas. Uh, Freddie Tarnock threw two and two-thirds last night scoreless in Vegas, didn't give up any hits. And, you know, Freddie may – we'll keep stretching Freddie out. He may be an option as a starter, may be here as a reliever at some point. We'll see. So we are going to continue to have some options. Um, Adrian's being stretched out down in Vegas. So, you know, we're we're trying not to have as much turnover as we did early in the season, which, you know, by virtue of the starters going four, five, and six innings, you don't have to do it. So it's a little more stable. but it is nice to have have good options to choose from. How's Jackson and Jimenez doing? They're coming along slowly, unfortunately. I mean, I think we knew Danny was going to take a little while. We put him right on the 60-day, and we knew we were going to have to slow play this injury that, that frankly, bothered him at the end of last year and, and came back. So Danny's, Danny's moving slowly. Jackson's throwing the ball. Mason's playing catch. Um, you know, Rusinski you know, had this knee thing pop up and he's back to playing catch. So there's progress on the IL guys, but it's going to take a little while. So where we are right now in mid-June, we know the trading deadline a month and a half. Are you fielding a lot of calls from other teams? Obviously, there's going to be more buyers and sellers. Where are we kind of at this point? Because we're a long way away, but we're also not. There's some teams – feeling things out. Um, you know, there's there's always a one-off here where you actually go deeper and exchange some names. And, and there's always active trade conversations, but a lot of feelers going out right, right now. And, um, you know, college college tournaments coming to an end, the Ser- World Series starting tonight. I heard you and Cots talking some college glory days at the end of your chat. So Well, his, uh, his glory days. I didn't have to. I didn't have too many. <laughs> your, your your days, his glory days. My day, my day. Yes. Uh, well, that's and that's interesting to bring up is is that this is kind of like your you're picking so high, and there's talking about all this great talent there in Omaha right now. And obviously, there's high school kids and all these other college kids, but there's a lot of great talent in Omaha. How much are you going to be watching the College World Series? Oh, a lot. Yeah. I mean, the way it worked out this year, it's not always the case that the the top, top college prospects end up there. But if you look at the field this year, um, you know, the LSU guys, Florida, Virginia, TCU, you've got, you know, Wake Forest. So you've got really the the top, top pitchers and hitters there. So we're going to spend a lot of time watching those games. Does it mean a lot to you to have these guys perform Because at, at, at Omaha? Because it is on national television. It is the biggest stage any of these players have ever played on. It's another data point for sure. I mean, to some extent, you you know, you know feel like you've watched them not only all spring, but you know for two and three years now or more going back to high school. And you feel like you've, you've made your evaluation. And you want to make sure you don't let one or two games on TV kind of you know, change your opinion or make up your mind, but it's certainly a data point to see how they, how they compete with those, with the best teams and and in front of a huge crowd and a a TV crowd like that. You know, I know we've talked about how none of us are really thrilled about how the draft goes all the way to the all-star. I mean, to the all-star break. I mean, it is what it is. We got to control what we can control. But now that we have this combine, and I know it was in San Diego last year, this year it's going to be down in Arizona. Do you lock? Do you like the combine? Do you think you guys are getting a lot out of it? 
I, I do. Yeah, I think the best part of the combine has been the ability to to sit down one on one with a handful of guys, you know, a, a real like 20, 25 minute conversation, not just, hey, you know, nice to meet you or whatever the way you might get at a game, but really dig in, ask about their what they're thinking about their philosophies on the field. So that's that's been a really good part of it. Um, and then the on-field stuff. I mean, some of these guys who were hurt during the year, you get to see them work out or get another look. I mean, I'm not sure we have Mason Miller without his combine performance. He really kind of opened up some eyes there. So there are certainly some real good things to come out of it. Yeah, I got to think something that really is unique to this. I mean, you, you get to see guys. There's video now. There's more information on players. But the fact that, and we've heard about this for years, with the NFL combine, and as you you mentioned this, but I, if you could talk to this just a little bit more, that you really get to sit down with guys for the first time and get to learn more about them. Sure. Yeah. I mean, every every team gets a suite. So this year we'll be in Chase Field in Arizona. Every team gets a suite around the ballpark. And you really just welcome in, you know, one guy every half hour to your suite to come in, sit down, you know, ask him what he's thinking at the plate. Ask him what he's looking for. Like, how did he learn to hit? What's important to him? Like, you know, really sort of dig in. And, um, you know, we've we've seen some guys now that we've had this for a few years, you, you know, you check the box or you don't, you learn sort of what they're made of a little bit, way more than just going to watch them out on the field one or two days. You know, one guy that, you know, we've talked quite a bit about, but now we're getting towards the halfway point. Ryan noted to me, we, we you know, so much was about Rooker early, then here comes Ruiz with all of the stolen bases. But in the meantime, here is Ryan Noda, and as of today, all guys who qualified, he has the on he has the best on base percentage of all American League batters. You look at his last ten games, you look at his X amount of games, the way he's his barrel rate's going up, he's hitting the ball hard. I just talk about the development of what you've seen in Ryan Noda and how it could maybe change how you view certain players coming up from Las Vegas later on the season. Yeah, I mean, what Ryan's done, I mean, you sort of nailed it. He's he's really developed over the first two months. I mean, what we saw in April, I think, was a guy who was sort of going up there, maybe looking to walk, looking to sort of use that skill. And and it, it's a great skill, his, his strike zone judgment. Um, but he's gotten more aggressive. He's gotten more confident in his swing. When he comes up with runners on base, he's not looking to necessarily pass the baton. He'll take the walk if it's there, but he's looking to drive guys in now and uh, kind of been that perfect two-hole hitter for Cots. He's not not afraid to see some pitches if Esty's on first base. Um, you know, if he comes up with bases empty, he'll find a way to get on himself. So, the you know, the consistency, the continued growth, and the, the sort of added confidence for Ryan have really been, been fun to watch over these first, you know, two-plus months. And, you know, as far as how it affects guys – Coming up, obviously, you know, we, we've talked a lot about Tyler, who's splitting time between catching and first base down there, and he'll continue to do that. Um, you know, Ryan's shown the ability to go out in the outfield and be versatile. I, you know, we think about guys, when they're here, we'll figure out what to do with them. It's, you know, as, as Keith Lippman used to say, you know, you can never have too many good players. Keith used to complain about where are we going to play all these guys and I was like, really, Keith? He's like, you're right. We, we can't have too many good players. So, um, so we'll fi- we'll figure it out. But it's just it's been fun to watch Ryan and and you know, look, f- coming from the pressure he was under in spring training as a Rule Five guy who knows he has to take advantage of this to then really sort of 
being confident, feeling comfortable and settled in now, it's it's been great. So you're saying in all – I mean, you've been in baseball now for a long time. You've never had that phone call where you're – or you've been on a Zoom where everybody looks around and goes, David, we got too many damn good players. What are we going to do? It hasn't happened yet. <laughs> I, will let, I will let you know. Let's end on this. And, and I'm not trying to oversell this, but it really happens everywhere in life. Good people lead to good things. And when I think about Seth Brown coming back, I think about somebody who kind of is the de facto leader, bringing him back into the clubhouse, having him healthy, having to be that you mentioned Blackburn already for the staff, but just talk about Seth Brown. There is something about leadership. There is something about having the guy back in the clubhouse for your team. And he comes back and you guys are winning more games. Without a doubt. And, he, and even, you know, Browning will be the first to tell you, he's not putting up the numbers he, he wants to or expects to, but there is something about having him in the lineup, in the dugout, in the clubhouse where, you know, you, you sort of, you take the pressure off some of the other guys. Cause you know, Brownie, Brownie is a veteran on this team. He may not be sort of object objectively a veteran in the game, but he's a veteran on this team. He's seen teams here that win. He's see, been here long enough to, you know, see what it looks like. And he does help. He helps everybody else. So it's not a, not a coincidence, you know, when we start playing better as a team, when a guy like that is back in the lineup. And he's such a good guy that's earned everything. He has had to earn everything that he has. And the way he treats everybody, especially the young guys, there's something about somebody that just is inclusive. He wants to include everybody. This, not everybody has that quality. For sure, without a doubt. I mean, going back to the beginning, a, a late-round pick from a small school um, who really, you know, had to hit and hit and hit his way here and really sort of open our eyes to get here. And, uh, yeah, those are the guys you root for. All right, thanks so much. We appreciate it. We'll talk soon, and congratulations on getting some Ws. Thanks, Tony. See ya. David Force, the general manager of your Oakland Athletics. And, yeah, you, you, you can't say it enough that Seth Brown – Somebody has to kind of be the guy. And if, if you look at somebody who did get to learn from Marcus Simeon, somebody that did get to learn from Matt Chapman, like literally if you could take the best of Matt Chapman and you could take the best of Marcus Simeon, it makes the ultimate leader. Because Simeon, who was – Simeon's like the greatest guy in the world. I mean, we all know that. But Simeon isn't vocal. He led by example. So when Marcus Simeon is out there every day busting his butt before the game, who are you to be sitting playing cards in the clubhouse? He led by example, and everybody knew when Marcus got up and Marcus was ready to go down those steps and go down and start working out, everybody got in line. That's called leading by example. Matt Chapman was the fiery rah, 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 and the one thing I always respected about that guy, and I, you know, no matter what, that guy came to play every day and to win. Not many guys are happy after going 0 for 4. Not many guys are happy about going 0 for 4 and three punch outs and still happy and got the fog machine going and shooting hoops and the music's going. That was all him. No matter how he was playing, he was happy when the A's won. How many players are like that? Let me tell you, there's not a lot of players like that. So I know there's some things about Matt Chapman that ruffled people's feathers, blah, blah, blah. I'd play with Matt Chapman any day of the week. 
Not everybody's perfect. He's the alpha male. That's what I'm saying. If you could combine Matt Chapman and Marcus Simeon, you have the perfect, perfect player. Never forget this. You could ask Vince Catronio this. Mike Fires throws the no-hitter. Chapman, I look it up. Do you have your computer? I do, yes. Matt Chapman was 0 for in Mike Fires' no-hitter. I think he was 0 for 5 with like two or three Ks. At least 0 for 4. This is a long time ago, but when was Mike Fires' no-hitter? 2019. By the way, we we're, were going over this. Um because we're talking about the the pitches, pitch Who counts. Was? Me, Ray, and Johnny. We're talking about the the pitch if counts. If I wasn't here, we do not reference the show. Uh, we were talking about the pitch counts from the Stanford kid that threw 156, the most pitches and ace pitches thrown ever since at Oakland. Mike Moore threw 156. Mike fires through 131, and there's no hitter. Come on, really? 131? Oh my God! Now we stop. For the hey, we can have all we can have these guys throw 60 pitches each start. They still get Tommy John. Uh, yes, probably. Right? Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, no one has proven the amount of pitches you need to throw and not get hurt. Nobody has proven that. There's not an orthopedic surgeon that will go on record. All the, the guys that, and I've, I've researched this now, the guys that perform Tommy John surgeries, they will not tell you that there is a pitch number that will keep people from getting hurt. Whether you throw 130 or you throw 30. Why do relievers get Tommy John? I've tried to stall as long as I, I know, can. I couldn't remember the date, so I just I, say Mike Fires. I know, I got, I got it. Mike Fires is still the only guy to throw two no hitters in interleague play. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, I don't think anyone's done it since. Two uh, no five, hitters, and both were in interleague play. A's won the game two nothing. Matt Chapman was zero for four with four strikeouts. Okay, even better. Golden Ma- Sombrero, as they call Matt it. Matt Chapman was zero for four, four strikeouts. And when Vince Catronio was trying to interview Mike Fires, he was so excited for fire. He ended up, he was like, we got to get rid of this interview. We're ready to party. We're ready to celebrate Mike Fires. He knocked either the recorder or the phone because <laughs> Vince might have been using his phone as a recorder. He knocked it out of Vince's hand, which later he apologized. But that's how happy he was after going 0 for 4 with four punch outs. He was that happy for the win and his teammate to get the no hitter. That's the kind of guy Matt Chapman is. I want that to be remembered. Also a guy that slides into home plate face first. Not many guys do that. I would say you don't see that very often. <laughs> you don't see that very often. Uh, where are we? I'm just talking. We haven't talking. We haven't paid you're the bills yet. You're just talking. You know who that is. That's Moneyball. That's Brad Pitt Yeah, playing Billy Bean. Coming up next, we'll get you ready for Eno Saris. Got a little bit to a – one thing I haven't addressed yet today. And I want to research it maybe a little bit more, but I want to talk about it before we get to Eno Saris next, right here on A's Cast Live. That are a must for me, comfort and style. Whether I'm playing golf, going to dinner, I've got to have the right feel. That's why I've partnered with Link Soul, and you're going to love Link Soul. They have just released their new spring line, new fabrics for their polos, lightweight and perfect for technical performance. Link Soul also has new styles for their layers and hoodies with cool prints and seasonal colors. You know what they say in the big leagues, look good, play good. Go to linksoul.com. That's linksoul.com. Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. All right, quickly. Coming up in just a little bit, 
You and Jessica Kleinschmidt will have. Oh, no, it's just Jess on pregame. It's just Jess on the A's pregame show. We call it A's Total Access, brought to you by Chevron. I'll be over on the TV side here in San Francisco with Dave Stewart, A's pregame live. Then you and Jess in the postgame show, A's Clubhouse, I will join you. Uh, just want to let you know before we get to Eno Saris, we are investigating. Big thing in baseball from the owners' meetings was we're going to limit how many front office people you got. We're going to change the whole technology thing. And, of course, baseball people. Well, in my NFL background, working for the Raiders, I know that in the NFL, everybody is uniformed on just about everything. So essentially what baseball people are trying to go, well, they're just trying to be cheap. They're, eh, no, they're doing what the NFL is. Every tablet that you see in the NFL on the sideline, Microsoft, it's all the same. All the deals from anything business-wise, social media, technology that they use, everything is a licensed deal with the NFL. So you can't be an NFL team and go rogue and pay for data and do this and do that. Nobody goes rogue. Everybody has the same. And it sounds like baseball is trying to do that. We're going to invest. I, I, I went to a NFL source today about this. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah. I want to research some more before we delve into this on Monday. But basically, Tuesday. Tuesday, what's Monday? Monday's a holiday and day off day. We have the day off on Monday? Yeah, it's Juneteenth and the team is on off day, too. All right, so Tuesday, we're going to bring you how baseball is trying to be like the NFL. And I agree, because I think NFL does it right. I think there's a bunch of rogue stuff that we, a lot of us, don't know about that's happening in baseball. That baseball wants to go, nope. Like, for example, Spygate, it was pretty easy to catch the Patriots not once but twice. It was hard to catch the Astros. Because there's rogue stuff going on. When everybody's using the same stuff, it becomes uniform. And, yeah, the league makes money off of it, which means everybody makes money off of it. So we will investigate that more. That gives me an extra day. So this whole thing, we're going to talk to Eno Saris about that here. But this whole thing about everybody using the same, it's coming to baseball. I'm going to say quickly, I think it's the right move. You? Um. I need to do more research on it. You have till Tuesday. Yeah. And I want an opinion on Tuesday. This isn't the Cody, Ray, and Johnny show where you don't give opinions. Well, I give opinions. This is Ace Cast Live. Uh, from the start of it right now, I would say I don't like it, but we'll, I have to do more research. Oh, you like the rogue, huh? Yeah. You like shadow government, shadow <laughs> front offices. Huh. I was looking, at it, more from, I was looking at it more from the technology and, and uh, player development. Well, everybody will have the same technology. Everybody's playing from the same stuff. Yeah. Oh, you like sneaky. You like, oh, we got something no one else has. Well, I, I want to see how it affects the Rays and stuff going forward and the Dodgers. Well, if you're that smart, it shouldn't affect you. Oh, we'll get into that. Here is our national baseball columnist from The Athletic, Eno Saris. Now for the Eno Saris show right here on Ace Cast Live. Will you play the man's open? The Eno Saris Show is sponsored by Fieldwork Brewing Company. With eight taproom locations in Northern California, Fieldwork brings you fresh craft beer direct from the source. Fieldwork will also ship beer direct to your door if you live in California. Visit fieldworkbrewing.com. Now, Eno, I want you to think about that statement right there. 
right? It's summertime, and you know what happens in summertime? You run out of beer all the time. And buddies come over and all these watching games or you're out at the pool in the back. When you constantly have it delivered to your house, you never run out. So field work will make sure you never run out and have to do that. Oh, man, I got to go to the liquor store real quick. or I got to go to the grocery store real quick. It's called being proactive during the summer. Oh, yeah. And they've got uh, right now they've got a, a rice and easy Japanese rice lager going radios and rodeos. Uh, hills and valleys. These are all pilsners and lagers, perfect for the summer. Uh, and yeah, it's lovely when it just shows up at your door and you don't have to do any work. A Japanese rice. You, you know, I I've been to Japan twice. I love Japan. What is Japanese rice beer? Uh, you know, rice is used in American lagers and some of the big ones, but um, the most famous Japanese uh, rice beer is called Hitachino. Uh, Hitachino white white rice beer. It's a it's really big over in Japan, and this is this one's sort of uh, modeled after that. This is why we bring them on the show. You guys think we bring them on the show to talk baseball? We <laughs> we learn more than just baseball with the great Eno Saris from the Athletic. We learn more than just baseball. All right, speaking of baseball. You know, we're getting to that time of the year where we everybody has had their scouts all over the country watching high school players, watching college players at all level from D1 all the way to community college. They're starting to put their boards together. Before you know it, we're going to be at All-Star Weekend. You're going to have the draft going on. We got the College World Series starting today. We've got the Combine coming up in Arizona. And the one thing that scouts and teams want to see is they want to see how hard do you hit the baseball. Yeah, and, you know, even at the major league level, I just wrote a piece for The Athletic about how uh, if you're hitting the ball right now but not in the air, so barrels are this are really great stat. They, t- they talk about how hard you hit the ball and in the air, and they're very predictive for power. But, in fact, if you're hitting the ball hard and not in the air, uh, you can have a, a better second half. Uh, it, it can predict uh, the second half better. So, in fact, just hitting the ball hard is maybe the most important thing. In fact, the Rays were just in town, and they don't really care as much about barrels. They don't lead the league in barrels every year, but they do lead the league in hitting the ball hard. And what you see is sometimes those guys lift the ball. Yandy Diaz is starting to lift the ball more this year, Randy Rosarena. And so you hit the ball hard, and if sometimes you lift it, it ends up being the best combination, I think. So, yeah, these kids are coming to the draft combine next week. And, uh, you know, there's a really interesting piece by J.J. Cooper that just came out, too, that, um, you know, I've been watching these these games. Uh, I've, been at, I've been at Stanford for, for the Super Regionals and stuff. And um, apparently... You know, when you go to a game here and you've got a bat or, uh, you know, sticky stuff or any of this stuff that, you know, anything that gets on the field in a major league te- for a major league team has been inspected. You know what I mean? It has to have been, it has to come from a bat manufacturer that's approved. Victus, Marich- you know, all this, you know, Marichino, like has to be an approved major league thing. So they've really tested everything that comes that ends up on the field. Now they're testing your fingers to see how sticky they are. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like they really test it. But in, they're going to be I've, testing your underwear soon. You know, you better watch out. Yeah, what's the that's down there? Uh, and uh, and the yeah, the, uh, the sticky stuff. Uh, I mean, the uh, the situation in college was totally different, where um, 
you know, we were at uh, we were at Sunken Diamond, and like I don't see any NCA officials walking around in the dugouts, making sure that those bats are are you know official bats. Or no way, are we are we do we got juice bats again in college baseball? It's happened before, and it's happening again. JJ yes, Cooper just wrote that there's no time like now in terms of sneaking a, a, a an altered bat into a college game. Oh my God. And so altered bats, altered bats. And, you know, for what it's worth, the sticky stuff enforcement is not the same in the in the college either. So uh, scouts are trying to figure out, you know, if those guys with the high spin rates and the high exit velocities, if they got there through any illegitimate means, because you don't want to draft that guy. And then he shows up in your organization. and It's all from the sticky stuff or it's all from the weird bat. So that's why we have things like the Cape Cod League, where they have to play with wooden bats. Uh, you know, that's a big adjustment for a lot of college kids. And I, and I would argue it's part of why we have something like the, uh, the draft combine that's coming up next week. Because I think you can either inspect all the bats or you can give them bats or you can make them hit with wooden bats. You know, I don't know exactly what the, the deal is, but if it's run by baseball, it'll be a little bit more clamped down in terms of you're not going to get that rolled. They used to roll them. I don't even know what that means, but it, you used to roll the bat and somehow that would uh, that would make better outcomes. Well, rolling the bat in your world is a whole different than aluminum, <laughs> but we won't go there. Uh, yeah, you, you know, something that never really gets brought up either is there was a time where you had a lot of amateur baseball players using performance enhancing drugs. And guys were drafted, and guys were drafted really high, and they flamed out in the minor leagues. No one's really talked about it. Yeah, what's that testing like? What is testing like in NCAA? Do they have the same amount of rigorous testing in the NCAA? No, especially think about high school. There was high school kids that were on it. I mean, you would hear that. Well, that kid was on it. And that kid. So it's like I can't imagine any high schools are testing. <laughs> so I mean, it, it's yeah. There, there's nefarious stuff going on in amateur baseball, and it's. It's tough when you're making these decisions because the higher you're drafted, the amount of guaranteed money for the signing bonus. I mean, it's scary. Yeah, yeah. I, and, you know, sometimes I don't love these events because, um, you know, what happens is you create data and now all of a sudden Major League Baseball owns this data and owns, you know, clips of you and, and video. And like there's all this sort of like data ownership, that, you know, that becomes a, an issue. But I also understand it because you want to put all the players on the on the same platform. You want to put them in the same place, and you want to measure them the same way. You know that's going to be inevitably, inevitably measurement is a big part of drafting. You know that's why they have the draft combine in the NFL. Everybody has to go there and jump and run and and do it at the same time and do it in the same situation. You know what's so interesting to me about obviously you want to hit the ball hard. You want to throw the ball harder. You want to hit the ball harder. Doesn't matter what sport you're in. You want it to do everything. You want to make sure. Velocity as fast as you can be. Yeah, you throw it as hard as you can. Yeah. But yet, night after night after night, I keep preaching on the postgame show. Just put the ball in play and look at all the crazy things that I, you saw in yesterday's game. You see it all over. All you got to do is watch quick, quick pitch every single night. The highlight show on MLB Network. Just put the ball in play wins games. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. I, I struggle with that. I mean, but there are players like Nick Madrigal over in, in Chicago that you know, put the ball in play at an elite rate, but there's no force behind it. And so the, you know, pitchers just sort of overpower them almost, you know, like you have to have a little bit, like even Luis Arise has some power, you know, he hits. Oh, the ball. he drives the ball, the gap. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So there's, there's a minimum amount of power that you do have to reach. And so you, I wouldn't preach to say, 
you know, a high school or a young kid not to hit the ball hard. You know, they have to hit the ball hard to get to the big leagues. But once you get to the big leagues, there is a negative correlation between bat speed and whiffs. So if you are trying to hit the ball harder and you are trying for bat speed, you know, there is a, a, a trade-off there between, you know, trying to hit the ball harder and whiffing. So there's like a certain base level of, of hitting the ball hard and bat speed that you have to have to get to the big leagues. But then, you know, then it becomes a coaching thing of, ooh, do I want to go more for power because I'm a Kyle Schwarber or do I want to go more for contact because I'm a Nico Horner? You know what I mean? And in fact, I think this is super relevant for Asturias Ruiz right now because he's been a different player over different parts of his career. And he's been a power hitter. He's been a, a speedster. I think that, you know, maybe for him, focusing on contact is the way to go. He has the minimum amount of power, but if he took a page out of Ariza's book and then just ran around the base pass, I think that might be the best version of himself. Well, and you start, you know, the one thing that we do know, I mean, the, the, the kid can hit. It's just going to be how does he consistently get on base, especially if he goes into a little bit of a slump. But once he gets on base, he's absolutely electric. Let's talk about some A's players because, you know, we're kind of getting close to the halfway point, and here Ryan Noda is leading the American League. If you qualify with that bats, he's leading the American League in on-base percentage. He's defensively, he's good. He can run for his size. He's starting to hit more, starting for hit a little more power. But his patience at the plate, he's got a very mature eye. We're almost halfway in. This is not like there's now enough of bats to know that, okay, this is starting to be legit. Give me what your take on what you've seen with Ryan Noda. I love his elite eye at the plate. In terms of chasing balls outside of the, stri the strike zone, he's in the top 25 in the big leagues. Um, so that means that, you know, 20% walk rate that he's sporting right now is really legit. And that's going to lead to better outcomes even when you're hitting because when you hit the ball in the zone, your slugging percentage is like 450. If you hit it outside the zone, it's like 250. So here's a guy that knows that, takes that to heart. He has some swing and miss in his game. He's not, you know, he's not defensively better than, you know, a first baseman. But I think the on-base percentage is legit. I, I, in fact, think there might be even more power in that bat. 14% barrel rate. He's hit the ball 114 miles an hour. Anytime you hit the ball over 110 miles an hour, you start to join the elite uh, power hitters in the game. Yeah, and I don't want to jinx anything. I don't have any wood around me, but I know we talked about, oh, Rooker could be the all-star, and then Ruiz could be the all-star. And I've been sitting back the whole time going, there's no doubt the best player on the A's this year has been Ryan Noda. I, to me, there's no question about it. Yeah, I mean, I think Rooker, Rooker has a lot of the same things going for him. Uh, he's a similar player, uh, you know, a little bit more defensive versatility, uh, not as much uh, of an elite eye as, uh, as Noda. I mean, I think both of them are, are, are good. And I think that, you know, the A's have done, I mean, they, it's been a hard year and it's, and hasn't been that much fun in, in a lot of times, yeah. but uh, uh, in terms of what you're supposed to do when you're in this situation is you're just supposed to, you know, find guys. And I think they've found guys in Blade, Rooker, Noda, you know, Ruiz. I think these are legitimate uh, major leaguers. And, uh, you know, I think the, the, the pressure is on them now to, to find more guys on the infield, I think. Just overall, right, because before I went on vacation, we were talking still historic baseball, like 1962 Mets, the 1890-whatever Cleveland Spiders. All that has kind of gone away with the winning streak. Just since Memorial Day, they're playing way better baseball. What have you seen with the A's? Yeah, I mean, I think this, this lineup is coming together, but, you know, the wins have been because the lineup, which has been, you know, producing all right, has been met by the, the pitching. 
Um, and you get you, some of that's from Paul Blackburn getting healthy, uh, and some of that's from sorting through some of the options in the bullpen. I think Trevor May, uh, who saved uh, the game on, on Tuesday, uh, was uh, has been a big part of this too. He's a legit uh, back end guy. So they're starting to, to, like I said, find guys that that, that fit the roles, and uh, and that's why they went on the winning streak. And the trading deadline. I know right now all executives from the presidents or vps of baseball operations down to the assistant gms everybody's starting to talk right now and one of the interesting teams is the team that's in town here comes philly 110 of 12 looking to get two games over 500 i mean we saw this last year they have the confidence even though they got out to a bad start uh can't count the phillies out they're back yeah yeah i wonder uh you know you know what they need to, to really get going. I think it's uh, maybe some back end starting pitching, um, or maybe just a little bit more, um, you know, help in the bullpen. But in fact, I, I don't know that there's a trade for the Phillies that needs to happen. I think it's just sort of meshing the guys they've got. Harper, you know, still hasn't hit his stride, but I think he's going to do it. And Aaron Nola has, has shown flashes. Those guys play to the back of their baseball cards. I think that's all they need to do. Um, but in terms of, you know, uh, what they need to do to improve at the deadline, I don't, it's not immediately obvious to me. All right. So let's just start look at it. Look, I mean, cause I'm trying to tell people there's way more buyers than sellers, way more. Uh-huh. I mean, everybody in the East is going to be a buyer. I think about in the central, you got the tigers and you got Kansas city of the play or the white white Sox might be the one team you can go get guys, obviously from the bullpen, uh, but they what? have to decide, but that's a big decision for them. Because if they decide to sell, that's a long period of time that that front office has been together and uh, another rebuilding process does not portend well for their jobs. And so, you know, they're going to want to hold on as long as possible because that might that might mean throwing in the towel on their own jobs. You know what I mean? So yeah, Kenny Williams, of course, went to Stanford, played baseball and football. He's from Oakland. Kenny Williams has been there for a long time. And it's, 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 you know, it hasn't been rife with postseason wins. And to, to, to ask for, when you start rebuilding, we start selling off like that, a lot of times you're asking for five years. If you're asking for five years and you've been given five, ten years, then, you know, the owner at some point says, what gives? Maybe what they can do is just uh, sell anybody who's not under contract for next year and just say, you know, we'll just, we'll, we're retooling for next year. And in that case, I think they have a lot of good relievers that people could, uh, that people could use. And then I think of like Kansas city, I think of like Washington, really young teams They're, I mean, they're, what do they really have to give that, or they're not giving away any of these young guys are rebuilding with. So, I mean, what, I mean, what do they I mean, really have to give? That's a problem here. I'm looking at the, the A's, you know, uh, yeah, well, roster. Yeah. And in terms of like who's who's a free agent uh, next year that that might uh, you know get some interest on that market, I think Trevor May, if he you know continues to pitch well, is somebody. But other than that, everybody else is super young and on a on a uh, on a on a on a real cheap deal. So I guess uh, Ramon Lagano getting going uh, could could improve his trade value. But that happens also when you look at uh, a team like the Nationals. Um, you know, I don't think that there's an obvious veteran there that they could uh, they, they could send going. I mean, Heimer Candelario, if you need a little bit of help on the corner infield or, uh, you know, Carl Edwards Jr. in the bullpen. But, uh, yeah, a lot of those teams, the ones that are obvious sellers, don't have a, a lot that the, the contenders really will want. Flying back from Hawaii, I was watching the Mets and the Yankees on the plane. It was uh, DeGrom against Cole. 
and I just looking at it, and you know, I love to put Ver- Verlander I, Cole, yeah, Verlander Cole. I love to, I love to press the panic button. I, I'm, I, I mean, if I'm the Mets, I'm looking at some of these teams now. The Phillies, high payroll team, they're back in this. At what point the Mets, the Padres? We've talked a lot about it, but now where we are, almost at the halfway point, being under 500 with all the money you've spent, like at what point? And you know there's not a whole lot out there to trade for. When are you pressing the panic button? I mean, I think the Mets could really benefit from some relievers. And so, you know, those those will change hands of the deadlines, and, the, and they'll do that. And they're, you know, with the extra wild card, I think they can, they're telling themselves, we're still in it, we're still in it, we're still in it. So, you know, I think that's the story that's happening. Also, you know, I'm not sure. I, I'm not a big believer that changing uh, managers in the middle of the season is really going to change uh, that much for the course of your your team over the. And then you're not going to change the front office in in the midseason. So a lot of these teams are just like, eh, we'll just add some stuff to the bullpen and and hope that our stars play better. I mean, what else can you do? Yeah, it's a tough situation. I was just thinking when you said Trevor May, like. We, we've we've been known to do business with the Mets. Uh, you think Trevor May was just pitching there? You, yeah, you think a Trevor May reunion is going to float people's boat? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> that won't that won't move the Yankees off the back page. But you know the Yankees have some troubles of their own with the yeah. starting outfield of Billy McKinney and Willie Calhoun and uh, uh, I forget who the third one was. Yeah, who's the other guy that they they've called up, uh, Cody from the Yankees? He's he's actually played really well. Uh, McKinney, who'd you guys say was McKinney? And it's not McKinney, not Waters, or what's his name? Well, McKinney's playing for them. I know McKinney, but there's another guy who they've called up who's playing really well. I don't have him in front oh, of him. Are you, you're not thinking of uh, the kid from Texas, Calhoun? No, not Colin. Um, Willie Calhoun. Willie Calhoun. No. Jake Bowers. 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 That's it. Yeah. yeah. So I was, so I was watching. I think, the I think all three of them have been at waiver claims this year. Yeah, I mean they were and, and and they were talking about on the national broadcast what they had to do to get these guys on the forty man. I mean, obviously they had to play well to get them on the forty man. But yeah, if you're the Yankees and you're now sitting here at like thirty nine and thirty, you're starting. I mean, everybody, you know, no longer you know, Rays were just in town. We saw it. They're the first team to fifty wins, fifty wins in seventy two games. They're just the seventh team to do that. Yeah, you can't call and, it a hot start anymore. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean. If you're the 17 to do something in the wild card era, that means something. And now all of a sudden, it's like we're not talking about, oh, they haven't played anybody yet. I mean, <laughs> if you're these teams, if you are Boston, if you are Toronto, if you are New York, expanded playoffs are great, but you got to be worried, right? Yeah, I wonder if we'll get a surprise seller out of the AL East. Uh, somebody like Boston selling something that you didn't expect because they've got – they don't only – not only do they have to get back in the wild card race, but they have to beat a lot of teams in their own division. And those are the best teams in baseball, pretty much. And so, you know, you're going to have to win a lot of games against the Blue Jays, Yankees, Orioles, and Rays. It's not just uh, winning a lot of games to get back into, into the competition. So wouldn't be surprised if, if the Red Sox, uh, you know, thought that uh, by selling, they put themselves in a better position for next year. Do the Red Sox still have the highest average per ticket per game? <laughs> well, you know, sometimes the, the stadium can float you when the team isn't. Well, that's what I'm wondering. Like, it's really hard when you're charging the prices that, and right right now Boston's 34 and 35, but they're 14 and a half games back. Once again, the extra wild card, you still got a shot, but how crazy will that be? And, I mean, Hein Bloom, can he really be a seller? Could they really be a seller? Uh, you know, it's just going to be a great – 
AL wild card. I would say that right now uh, we've got seven teams that are legitimately in the mix uh, for the wild, for the three wild card spots in the AL. It's a little bit it's a little bit tighter in the NL, but seven teams that are all I would say good teams that deserve to be in the postseason, uh, and that's not counting even the Guardians. So. You know, that's it's going to be a real tough hauling. I, I just would say, at the very least, you won't be won't don't be surprised if the Red Sox and Blue Jays and Mariners don't add anything big. You know, one of the things we're going to talk about today on the show. I don't know if we're going to we're taping this, by the way, because Eno's a busy man. You can't you can't pin him down live, right? You got to get into the Phillies clubhouse today, right? I got to go find Sam Fold, former A. The great Sam Fold, who we recently had on uh, down at the winter meetings. What a great guy he is. Uh, we are going to talk about today, because I've made some contacts with my guys that worked in the NFL, to where in the NFL, everything's uniform. Everything you use, every tablet is the same, all the technology, everything is uniform. Baseball, that's not the case, but it sounds like baseball wants to start going more the way of the NFL. When we start talking about how many jobs do you have? What kind of technology do you use? Well, I want to talk about jobs for front office. What do you think about MLB trying to maybe rein some teams back in for what they're doing with technology in their front offices? Well, obviously, I'm biased towards uh, data and technology. It's kind of my beat. So uh, I find it a little upsetting. And, you know, honestly, I think it's just part of a, a long time effort by the league to tamp down spending. Uh, you know, every sort of new rule that has to do with roster and staffing has to do with tamping down spending. You know, the draft is about tamping down spending. The international bonus slots tamping down spending. This is this goes right into that. I, you know, I read the story and baseball seems to be saying that they just want to um, talk to the vendors uh, that teams work with, like Kinetrax and these other ones. It's what the NFL does and maybe have some sort of uh, group group discount sort of deal where it's like, this is how much you can spend, and this are, these are approved vendors. And, you know, this is what the NFL, the NFL tells everybody, don't use it until we do a deal with them. Then once what you do a deal with them, every, basically they're trying to copy what the NFL does. It seems to work in the NFL. Does the NFL really limit how many people you can have in the front office? They eliminate all your technology and everything that you can use. Okay, but that's a little bit. So the the part that I'm just I don't think is true or is going to happen is that they start telling teams what they can do in the front office. I'm not, I'll, I'll check into possible. that, but I, I you don't have teams that have endless amount. You don't have it's pretty much everything's pretty uniform. But I will check on actual employment. I'll have that for the next show. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Some of the it is more regimented in the NFL, but uh, you know, also the NFL is a cap system. And it's it's a little bit different, you know. So baseball is, you know, there's some element of the free market in baseball, but uh, that seems to be going away. <laughs> yeah, well, because I can tell you right now, you've got a lot of teams, I know this for a fact, that pay for data that, you know, we all want to think it's like the Yankees and they have their own front office group. A lot of teams are paying these oh, companies oh. outside for the data. Yeah, no, there's even uh, there's even a company called like Zealous that'll basically replace your analytics department, just be your analytics department. So they'll just do, yes, the data, but they'll also do the analysis of it and give it and give you sort of pre-made analysis. Do so, you know how much teams are paying for that? Do you have any idea? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, mid six figures. 
Now, to us, layman, wow, that's a lot of money. To a baseball team, to get all that kind of data, that's if not they, a lot. If they give you one reliever, you know, if you find one reliever on the cheap and you get that reliever for a million and he plays up to $6 million, then you've made that value. We give bad draft picks $6 million. Yeah. So, so. It, it is what it is. Well, buddy, great stuff. It's good to be back. It's good to see you. And uh, I know you're interested in the Phillies being in town because we don't get to see them a lot, but – I got a feeling they're gonna they're gonna be around when this is all said and done. So this is gonna be a fun weekend. Yeah, yeah, it'll be fun to see you know how if they're coming together and 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 how you know Harper needs hasn't gotten hot yet. So oh, he hasn't had a home run in eighteen games. Uh, update us quickly. How did the season end with your son in baseball? They made it to the second game of you know they do double elimination so they beat the the champions but then they lost in the second game but uh, so they made it to the very end they 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 played as far as they could and they did as great as they could and I was really proud of them but uh, yeah they lost their last game to the champions. What have the spider tack? What did you have them doing? Um, any what, what were they doing? Rolling their bats. <laughs> Sticking their fingers in the spider tag, anything we could to win. No, they, we didn't do any of that. Corking <laughs> their metal bats. What did we do? <laughs> you know, the one thing, the innovation that I did bring, uh, I, I tried to throw them as much short box as possible. You know, that's when the, you know what short box is. It's when the pitcher, the pitching coach, you know, uh, comes up close to you and throws batting practice from like, you know, 20 feet or 30 feet. And that's because I thought it was good for them to see the arm action, to find the release point, and to have to react quickly. I was the king of that years ago when I used to be an instructor at the Las Vegas School of Baseball. We used to go down there at the winter. I'd be so hungover. I'd be on a bucket, and at this little L screen, I'd be like X amount of feet just trying to hit these kids' bats like this. Yeah. Just going, oh, my God, can I, I have another Gatorade? I, I, I did hit a couple kids, but I actually I had to apologize for that. <laughs> All right, play the man as close. The Eno Saris Show is sponsored by Fieldwork Brewing Company. With eight taproom locations in Northern California, Fieldwork brings you fresh craft beer direct from the source. Fieldwork will also ship beer direct to your door if you live in California. Visit fieldworkbrewing.com. All right, my friend, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for having me. And that's going to do it for Ace Cast Live. We want to thank Mark Kotze, David Force, and Eno Saris for joining Chris and I. Here on Ace Cuts Live. We'll be back on Tuesday at 1 o'clock ahead of the Guardian series. Coming up next, Jessica Kleinschmidt with Ace Total Access brought to you by Chevron. We want to thank everyone for watching and listening to Ace Cast Live, and we'll talk to you on Tuesday right here on Ace Cast Live. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.